I had some people say like, you know, you might, he's going to be a mess. Like it's not going to be a good podcast, but you came in <coughs> positive. You seem like you have a good head. Yeah. I wore my favorite Hawaiian shirt. You're, you look like, um, a lost tourist. Oh, but that's, <laughs> you look like you suck at your biker gang. Like, what are you going for? I said I look like a middle-aged dad is going through a life crisis, but then, yeah. like, make it sexy. You look like you're trying to remember your ex-boyfriend who didn't do well financially. <laughs> this is great for a podcast when no one can see what we're wearing. I know, right? <laughs> Welcome to Burning Okay, so I just want to preface this podcast. Have we started? Has this begun? Um, I didn't want to warn you because we're in hell and the devil doesn't have time to warn you about things. Heavens to Betsy. My name is Hannah Burner and welcome to another controversial episode of Burning in Hell. <laughs> I'm an innocent bystander. Um, I got fired from Betches back in the day for something pretty stupid. It involved a ring light. Um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a millennial thing it's like a round light that girls use to have good lighting oh that doesn't sound particularly evil <laughs> what do you can i can i hear that story perhaps you've told it i on feel the, like you're turning this on to me immediately i mean this is your podcast he's smart he went to harvard okay so i have francis ellis on the podcast today thank you i just want to say me. when i say i'm innocent i mean i don't i'm not a follower of barstool but then i've met ellie schnitt I've met Kate Mannion. They both were amazing on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to one of my home dogs. And I was like, I want to have one of the guys from Barstool on. What guy do you think would best be for my podcast? And he immediately goes, this guy, Francis, he played sports. You know, he went to Harvard, so he's not that dumb. And he is a stand-up in his own right. And I think you guys would hit it off. And I was like, done. So I DM Francis. And he immediately responds so kindly, says, I know who you are. I'm funny. We ha it's funny that we haven't crossed paths before. And I was like, let's do this. We yeah. book it for Monday. Then I'm hungover as shit in the Hamptons. And I have Francis texting me. I'm like, what does this dude want? We set it up. We're all ready to go. What do you need from me? I didn't need anything. You didn't. I, I needed to let you know. I didn't. I don't work for Barstool anymore. Did you first say that you're off on Monday? Um... I, I don't know that. No, I think I think I told you immediately that yeah. I was. I had said that before. I was like scheduling wise, we can, yeah. we can do this anytime on Monday now because we don't have work on Monday. And it turns out I don't have work ever again. <laughs> I mean, we could do this anytime, any day. So why don't you kind of explain? Sure. On your end, what happened? So I worked for Barstool for two and a half years, and on Friday, I uh, was fired. Because I wrote a blog about a young woman who had gone missing for a week in Utah. And her name was Mackenzie Lewick. And it was a pretty big story that had a lot of developments. And um, I wrote this blog because uh, as I read, the, the first, Friday was the first time that I'd actually read about her. Um, and I, I saw that uh, the, the big news, breaking news that day was that her sorority sister's had seen that her Instagram account was active, that she had liked a post, and that this was cause for hope. Do you know what post it was? It was for an account called at fatherless. And I went and looked at that and it was it's an account 
I think it's a tongue-in-cheek account that says like girls with daddy issues. Okay. And which um, is all of us. Sure. Um, th this was good news. And I had this idea of like, okay, wow, in the age of social media that we live in, mm -hmm. that sorority sisters are finding clues that the FBI is missing. Yeah. The, the sorority sisters had turned this news over to the FBI. So it was like, that was the good news. That was in a New York Post article. Mm -hmm. And then I looked um, and I was like, all right, is this, what's the story? What's the latest update? And I started digging a little bit, but I was very like lazy and careless in my digging. And I saw a headline from an art article on ABC News that said, um, Mackenzie Lewick missing, no foul play suspected per the authorities. Mm -hmm. And that to me was is police speech for like, we think she's gone off of her own accord. Okay. And then every article I read was always mentioning that she was on these sugar daddy dating websites. Yeah. Seeking arrangements. Yeah. And it may have been, and I don't actually know this, that they thought she was with somebody from that website. Yeah, because when I first heard it, I'm like, really? Are you trying to pick like the, all these articles that were written about? Are you trying to find these like embarrassing side facts? But I guess maybe they were using it to try to discover what dude might have kidnapped yeah, her. Or... Exactly. That I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. And then I finally, I, I went and looked at her Instagram and it was closed, but in her profile, it said that she was a huge fan of one of the Barstool podcasts, Call Her Daddy, mm -hmm. which is like a, a big podcast. And, and um, so I thought, okay, given these three pieces of information, uh, I'm going to write it. I'm going to present this, mm -hmm. this blog. Mm -hmm. And I basically, I started the blog by saying like, look, first and foremost, we hope she's okay. If anyone has any news about her, please contact your local authorities, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, and then I was like, her sorority sisters found the Instagram activity and um, hopefully that's a good sign. And uh, what was the activity? Well, let's see the account she liked. And I posted a couple of the posts from that account. And I was like, it's all, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of like pro feminist mm -hmm. stuff, messages, mm -hmm. but also um, some like thirst trappy photos. Mm -hmm. And I included a couple of those with some like offhand remarks about mm -hmm. like, look, here's a girl filling up her automobile with fuel mm -hmm. in a scandalous way mm -hmm. and whatever. None of that had any bearing on Mackenzie Lewick. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote in the end, some offhand remark. I was like, and finally, she's a fan of Call Her Daddy. Um, let's hope that the girls can send her some merch when all of this turns out. Okay. Thoughts and prayers, period. And I blogged it and I posted it. And, um, you know, I write like, I don't know, four blogs a day. I was day. about to say, what's your blogging process? Yeah. Are you contractually obligated to write four or five a day? Not, not really. There's no quota necessarily, uh -huh. but I am a writer and I've been writing for a while and, um, or I was at Barstool and I, I don't submit to an editor yeah. in chief or an editor because I was a senior blogger and I, what, how do you become a senior blogger at Barstool? I think it's just like, can, have you demonstrated that you're a good enough writer? And you have high engagement on it. Yeah. But also like, are you, are you at a risk of, of posting like stuff? that needs to be sanctioned okay. or overseen. So you, for two years, have you ever gotten trouble with your editor before? In the first year that I was working there, I had to submit all my blogs to mm -hmm. an editor. Mm -hmm. And some of those he'd be like, nope, you can't, that's not gonna go. 
Why? You know, just subject matter or like, uh, you know, it was like it was too dark or maybe... Off-brand? Not... I don't know if I would say off-brand, just like he he had a very good sense of like what would be... What will do well? What, what would like get us in trouble. Oh, okay. So he was like the censor guy. But it's a thin line because... To get good reactions, you guys want to have strong opinions. Right. Yeah. And, and I, was, I was always a comedian there who wanted to push the envelope. Yeah. I found humor on the, the edge. Yes. And that's how I am as a stand-up. And people aren't going to Barstool for their news. They're going for like the funny opinions on the news. Yeah, fair. But I mean, look, I'll just say this. Like mm-hmm. Barstool is, is always trying to be funny and humorous. Mm-hmm. And what I had chosen as subject matter simply was not funny at all. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it was off-brand. And what I had written as a topic choice was something that I don't think anyone else at the company would have chosen. So do you think that if the girl wasn't found, passed away, it would have been cool? Um, I don't think I would have gotten in, in as much trouble necessarily, mm-hmm. but um, I still think that they would have been like, dude, what, what, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's hard to know. Do you think it's kind of a culture? There is a little bit of a culture of online bullying that's easy when you're like have a little bit of power to make a joke at someone and people laugh. I mean, bullying and joking is like very close. Sure. And I feel like you were kind of just making fun of the girl. But then the girl Honestly, died and then it I, wasn't I that to, funny. I have to say I, I was not uh, trying to make fun of her. Uh-huh. That wasn't my goal. And um, I think it, my idea, I don't think I was really trying to make fun of anyone. Uh-huh. Um, I think my thought was it was relevant, you know, to our audience based on uh, the call her daddy connection. I think I thought um, that people would, I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I don't have a great answer mm-hmm. for why I would ever have chosen this piece um, to talk about. It was like 11 a.m. on a Friday right before the 4th of July. Yeah. And I, I was struggling to find any stories to write about. And I like I always get anxious. I, I did get anxious at Barstool when I like hadn't written anything before noon because I, I knew it was my job to write and I wanted to make sure I I had shown that I came to work that day. So even day. though you are, you were one of the top personalities at Barstool, you still put a lot of pressure on yourself. Like you feel like it's a competitive environment to like constantly be writing the funniest shit and performing the funniest stuff. Sure. And, you know, I don't know if I would say I was one of the top personalities, but I, I, I would say I felt always a professional, uh, you know, requirement Mm -hmm. to, to put out content every day. Mm -hmm. Right. So I had my radio show on Sirius Barcel breakfast and we did that on Friday morning. And then I came out of the studio and I was looking for stories and, and we have so many writers that I had a lot of the stories I would have wanted to write about had been taken already. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I saw this one and I thought, okay, you know, that's, that's fair. I wrote my blog, I hit publish and it's very important to note that when I wrote the blog, um, she was a missing person mm-hmm. for whom there were hopeful signs. Mm-hmm. That was my impression. Yep. Um, that she was a missing person, that a lot of news outlets were kind of hinting that she was not missing for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Within 
an hour of me posting the blog. They had named a suspect. Um, and then they were like digging in his backyard and it started to look really, really bad. Yeah. And that was when I took the blog down. Yep. And after that, very quickly. When they, you heard that she had passed away, did you immediately realize that's when that I you knew could I, be in bad trouble? I think I, I think it started to, I knew I knew when they um they said they had named a suspect. I think I knew when when that was the case. Did you think you could lose your job? Uh to be honest with you, I thought that almost every day that I worked there, I thought I was going to lose my job. <laughs> and that, that was just me. I'm like an, an extremely anxious person. Okay. Um, I always thought that I wasn't doing well enough or that, eh, that, you know, it's funny. Cause I was like, I think you're one of the top personalities. I just talk with my friends and they're like, yeah, Francis is really well respected for his comedy. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but I it's, it's interesting to see how sometimes anxiety makes you do things that aren't necessarily in character for listeners i'm just talking in general like this is burning in hell this is people who are going through hard times and you know you even said to me like it was lazy and the reason it's probably lazy was because you weren't really caring about the content you just wanted something to come out that was funny and you wanted the result it wasn't like you weren't enjoying the process of writing a well done comedy article. Yeah. Look, I mean, that this is the important thing. Like I didn't think it was funny. I didn't think what I had written was funny. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I would say I wrote jokes in the blog. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. It was just an absolutely ridiculous lack of consideration and a, a horrible oversight and a very tone deaf moment in yeah. my career. Yeah. I've had them before. Yeah. Fortunately, um, I guess the other ones that I've had have always been like less, uh, incendiary. Yeah. But this one was so, um, so bad in, in light of how everything turned out. Do you think it's one of the worst things that anyone's ever done at Barstool? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't really say. I can't compare what I did to some of the other things that have happened <laughs> there. I think it's very important. Because I didn't read the article you wrote. Like, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not like buttering it up yeah. here. Um, what I just described was exactly how it was. Yeah. And, and there's a Washington Post article that wrote about my firing. Yeah. Um, the Deadspin wrote about it, and they were pretty fair. Um but, and basically they were like, we, who knows why he did this? Like, it's, yeah. it, like, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Like it's not cause you're sexist or racist or, right. or have something of vendetta against that girl in particular. Right. I didn't see like, oh my God, missing girl. Here's a source for, for humor. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, it was more the connection with Barstool and her. No, I can't really blame it on Barstool because <laughs> nobody there would have, would have like encouraged but, like, me to the write call it. call her daddy. Stuff. That was my thought. Yeah. But, but like it was, yeah, exactly. I was like, Hey, this people will connect with this story. Want to read this story. Okay. So sitting here right now, what have you learned? Well, um, it's I, fresh. This shit is fresh. Yeah. I've learned a lot. I mean, I've learned that. You know, you, you must never, certain things are just too messed up to, to really ever try to present in a humorous way. But it's hard with comedy. Like I was just on a podcast where I talked about how I had a, a, 
a date with a guy who gave me um, chlamydia, and then the next morning, I didn't know he gave me chlamydia yet. Mm. But we're, <laughs> it's romantic. It's, it's curable. And during it's just a pill, it's really nothing. Mm-hmm. But I I went to brunch with him, and the, the podcast guy was like, "Why did you go to brunch? Come up with an ex- excuse. Say like your family died." And and then he like we started going on this long joke about how like the excuse of your family dying. It's like, oh, they died again. They died last week. And, they right. died. and I lost a lot of grandparents in college for paper extensions. <laughs> so it's like, where is the fucking line? Right. Everything's going to affect someone in a wrong way. I do think what you did was tone deaf. Totally fair. And, and I think the important thing to know is that everything that comes from Barstool, in my opinion, in yeah. my understanding that I gained while I was there, is that it's always meant to be entertaining yeah. and funny. It's not meant to like ruin lives or I, I don't know. I mean, everything I did, I w- I'm a comedian. Like that yeah. was always what I was trying to do, Yeah. which is why this blog really, unfortunately was a massive misstep for me because I, I don't think I was trying to be funny. I was just, I was just careless and lazy and I was writing something to show that I came to work that day and yeah. I chose the wrong topic and, um, when you step back and you look at it realistically, I was making light of a young lady whose family, you know, was going through a horrific ordeal mm-hmm. and who I guess if I had looked closer, signs were not good yeah. that this was a good, that this was going to be an okay situation. Were you also writing about like her thirst trapping? No. Not her. The the, the the post that she was liking. The post she liked uh-huh. was of an account that had nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. So so the crazy thing is one one outlet, uh, the Daily Beast, and I hate to even name them. This guy reached out to me for comment, mm-hmm. and I offered my statement. Mm-hmm. And then his article was titled "Barstool Sports Writer Slut Shames a Dead Girl." I actually saw that this morning, and I was like, "Oh, different spin." And I don't know that anybody who has read the blog that I wrote could possibly come up with this idea that I was slut shaming. Okay. Should I, should I read you what I wrote? Yeah. Would that make sense? Yeah. Okay. It actually would. Okay. So the title I had for the article, and this speaks to everything I just said, Mm -hmm. college student Mackenzie Lewick, fan of call her daddy and proud sugar baby still missing. Sorority sisters hopeful due to her recent Instagram activity. Okay. Um, I include the part from the New York Post. Uh, and then I wrote, let's start with something meaningful. If anyone has seen or heard from Mackenzie Lewick, please contact your local authorities. She's been missing for a week, but now the sisters of Alpha Chi Omega have reason to hope. Mackenzie's Instagram uh, re- recently liked a post on at fatherless. What can we find on that account? Why your traditional hodgepodge of pro-feminist messages and um, body positive methods of refueling one's automobile. And then I included a picture of a girl who had her butt out filling up her car with gas. Mm -hmm. That was on the fatherless. And then another picture from fatherless. Oh, also surefire ways to summon helicopter rescues in the mountains. And there was a lady up in the, the snowy mountains like with her butt out. Um, 
And I said, cool account, but let's get back to Mackenzie if we can. As it turns out, the young lady frequents sugar daddy dating websites, including seekingarrangement.com. Initially, the police said they did not suspect that foul play was involved, which is good news. But now they're saying no comment to the foul play question, and they're digging around in her neighbor's backyard, and it wasn't looking good until the Instagram like popped up, which, thank God, was seen immediately by our sisters at Alpha Chi Omega. We won't break out the bubbly quite yet, but it's nice to have a glimmer of hope in this otherwise horrific ordeal. I did some more digging myself. Here are some things I found. And I included this, like, interview that a private investigator gave. And I, and I said, what the fuck was up with that private investigator? Um, I quoted him. He, he said, I actually met Mackenzie three or four weeks ago at a bar having a drink with a friend. It was kind of revealed to me she was on seeking arrangements. And I said, dude, give us a break. You set that date up because uh, you found her on seeking arrangements. We should be looking at you and stop speaking half Australian. He had this weird accent. <laughs> I then checked her Instagram and I included a screenshot of her Instagram bio. And I said, this must be her Finsta because 222 followers is pretty weak for anyone in a sorority. Point is, she's a huge Call Her Daddy fan. Woohoo. I'd love to see Alex and Sophia discuss Mackenzie's plight on their next episode, provided turn, things turn out well. Thoughts and prayers. And that's the blog I wrote. Do you hear slut shaming in any of that? I don't. Yeah, I mean, that guy was just trying to like. To, he wants, it's clickbait. Yeah, it's clickbait. But I feel like. The fact that it was under Barstool's name and Barstool has already been under attack for being looked at as like a misogynistic um, right. website. It's like, yeah, it's under that brand, which makes you look at it through a different lens. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I do. Um, I, I can understand that. But I also think like you have a... I mean, if this guy, this writer, if he considers himself a journalist, mm -hmm. and I know that he does, mm -hmm. uh, has a, has a an obligation not to perf like write libelous things, mm -hmm. and he also accused me of being uh, homophobic due to a joke that I wrote in a blog like many months ago, where I fantasized about making love to a, a fellow male coworker. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like pro homo. That's exactly right. Sounds I mean, like I am. I, could, I have everyone. Everyone like it's. It's he? no secret. His name is name's cute? Fr Frankie Borelli. Yeah, he's very cute. <laughs> and I and, and everyone knows like that I'm an incredibly out outspoken well, this is the LGBTQ thing. I literally ally. Told my friend I was like I wanted someone on my podcast who would be very open and like not and just not full of shit. Right is what I wanted. Yeah, and. Then that writer also wrote, he was like, and then he had also, Francis also at one point wrote uh, a long article uh, trying to paint himself as uh, an outraged leftist in defending Christine Blasey Ford during the Kavanaugh trial. And that's true, <laughs> but I was 100% sincere and yeah. everybody knew that. And well, now that your name is being talked about in this way, people are going to start digging a little and ha trying to have their own opinions on you, yeah. which is kind of similar to what happened with the girl. Her name is out there. People are digging and writing their opinions. But did um, Portnoy call you into his office? He was away. So he called me. Okay. This is funny. Yeah. As I was on the way to meet my girlfriend's parents. Shut the fuck up. And I was on a train 
and he never calls me or anybody. And he called me and I was like, yep, I'm about to be fired. And he fired me and he was very, you know, he, he was nice about it. Yeah. He said, look, our hands are tied. Yeah. Um, and he fired me. And uh, he said, what you wrote just isn't what we're trying to do here. And I totally understood. And 30 minutes later, I had to walk in to my girlfriend's parents' house where they were already sitting down to dinner and claim my seat at the table as a newly fired person. And um, they said, why were you fired? And it's like, well, I wrote very bad article about a girl who had just been killed. So those are not good first impression um, things. You could have done better. <laughs> it really wasn't good. They didn't want to pass me the, the fish. <laughs> they didn't want to feed me. What did they say? They, they were, they were all right about it. I mean, look, I, I was able were to, you, what, what was going on in your, like right now you're carrying yourself very well. I had some people say like, you know, you might, he's going to be a mess. Like it's not going to be a good podcast, but you came in <coughs> positive. You seem like you have a good head. On yeah. Your I wore my favorite Hawaiian shirt. You're, you look like, um, a lost tourist. Oh, but that's, <laughs> you look like you suck at your biker gang. Like, what are you going for? I said I look like a middle-aged dad is going through a life crisis, but then, yeah. like, make it sexy. You look like you're trying to remember your ex-boyfriend who didn't do well financially. <laughs> this is great for a podcast when no one can see what we're wearing. <laughs> I know, right? If you're not... H Hannah's wearing a Harley Davidson midriff cutoff, like, uh, pajama shirt. Because I have to assert my dominance over you. Oh, okay. I know what Harley Davidsons are. You do? Never touched one, mm. but goes well with my eyes. The orange. Brings the orange. out the brightness in my brown eyes. Don't overthink it. Huh. Um, so what'd your girlfriend think? <laughs> <laughs> this kid's uh, trying to get me off topic. No, I... Um, what did your girlfriend think? She was... Look, she's incredibly supportive and was super cool about it. I mean... How long have you guys been seeing each other? Almost a year. Okay. Okay. So she's not like, oh God, I'm dating a monster. No, she's, hardly. She's seen you. Like if she just started dating you, I'd be like, you know what? I don't really know this guy. And this wasn't like a great thing, but right. she knows you. Yeah. Look, you know, in, in this, in this profession, and I would call you a comedian as well. Thank you. Um, we try to be funny. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And sometimes we get it wrong. And unfortunately, unlike any other profession, when we get it wrong, we're getting it wrong in front of people, right? And, and people who don't know us. It's not like fucking up at your accounting job yeah. where someone will call you into their office and be like, hey man, you did the numbers wrong. Like, yeah. don't let that happen again. Yeah. Or, you know, you cost us a lot of money Honestly, or whatever. You're, you're very right about that. And I know a lot of comedians who are very upset about the current cancel culture. I mean, look at comedy back in the day. I mean, it was primarily like white dudes making fun of minorities. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think that, um, like rhetoric is so important how we speak about things. So it's, it is important that like, we're not, that we are speaking positively about things and not just making fun of things because they're the minority. Right. Um, but then making fun of someone is being mean to an extent and also partially true. Mm -hmm. So it's a very difficult culture that we live in right now. Has Barstool, within the whole Me Too movement, which like I'm a huge supporter of, um, and I think it's already been great, like us changing how we talk about 
um, just how men deal with women behind the scenes, I think has already changed some culture. Yeah. If it saved one guy from making a girl suck his dick for a movie role, then one girl saved 40 years of therapy. Right. And like, I'm not about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. I'm about education. I'm about, but like with you, there wasn't really anything to educate you about. Like, no shit, you shouldn't make fun of someone who was missing. Was missing. Yeah. And, and I don't, I think you overlooked the severity of the missing case. Yeah. Um, and then someone also mentioned to me, like, do you watch true crime? Uh, yeah, I like, I like the stuff on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> like I love all the sick murder documentaries. Everybody does. Maybe it makes me feel like I had a good day. Right. Cause I see how their day went. Yeah, but the thing is we're not watching them and laughing. Right. Yeah. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes. But there, there's like a, it's part of our pop culture now. Of course. This, these like murder stories. It's an obsession with darkness. Yeah. And I'm very dark as well. I mean, I have this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to, it's actually fascinating to have you in this dark moment. Can you explain your emotions from the firing until now? Yeah. Uh, as I said, I, I had to go into my girlfriend's family and it was like a big family reunion weekend. And so. this the first time you ever met them? Yeah. So her, uh, did you wear that shirt? Cause that would be bad. No, Okay. no, they were, they were, um, her grandparents were there. I'd never met them before her, her stepsisters were there. Um, there was a whole group of people. It was a big house. Do they, are there, they barstool fans by any chance? They don't really, they don't know anything about it. They okay. don't, if, if I hadn't worked there, I don't know that they would have ever heard mm-hmm. of it even, mm-hmm. but, um, I walked in and I was so dazed by everything that had happened. I mean, I'd, I had worked at Barstool for two and a half years, um, every day, you know? Where were you before Barstool? I was doing stand-up for five years before that, and then I was tutoring. I, had a, I was running a tutoring So you were tutoring business. during the day and stand-up at night? Yeah. And then how did you get involved in Barstool? Um, I saw that they were starting to run this, like, uh, talent show called Barstool Idol, and I applied for it. I got an audition. Mm-hmm. I got passed into the like idol week, mm-hmm. which was like 10 people. Every day we went in, performed a bunch of tasks, and then they would fire someone at the end of the day. So it was like mm-hmm. The Apprentice slash it's like a American show. Idol. Yeah. And uh, I ended up winning that. So That's I awesome. won like a six-month uh, trial contract, and within two months had proven that I was pretty good at what we were doing. Did you enjoy it? That did you enjoy your first two months? It was tough. A lot of weird things happened. What was tough about it? (sighs) They give you wedgies? No, no. Um, For one, I in the first couple weeks that I was there, a a couple Sports Illustrated swimsuit models came in to the office, and I did a an interview piece with them, like with three of them, and uh, I thought one of them. It was like, I thought we were getting along well. <laughs> so when she left, I went up to her friend and I was yeah. like, hey, you know, what's the story with her? Is she single? And the other lady was like, I don't know. Want me to find out? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so she like took my number and um, and then told me to like DM her. So I DM'd her something very innocuous. I during the interview thing, yeah, she'd yeah. said, uh, I, "How do I?" She exercises by doing boxing classes. So I said, I just DM'd her and I was like, "Hey, it was great working with you today. You know, when you get back from Atlanta, would love to go boxing sometime." 
And um, it, it turned out that, you know, they were, I think they were kind of messing with me. And my boss, Dave, was with them down in Atlanta. And like oh, they no. went over to him and showed him. And then he turned it into like a huge content. He was like, who the fuck does Francis think he is? <laughs> Asking out the hottest women in the world, you know, this guy, he's only been working at the company two weeks. And then he was kind of, after all that, he was a little mad because it was unprofessional of me to ask out a woman that had come into the office for content. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that, that was like a big storyline. There's so many weird lines that I don't know should or shouldn't be crossed. Yeah. Like you don't work with her. I mean, I would argue it's probably worse to say something offensive to someone you work with than just ask out a girl who stopped by the office. Yeah, but like, you know, look, there are certain things I'm that I can't do. I'm I know, on you right but now. like there are certain things that I can't get away with, but like Dave can. I mean, it's his company and yes. he's established a tone and a following and he's built the whole thing. So so he has probably more leeway But also leeway like than with great power comes great responsibility. That's a Spider-Man quote. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was from his uncle Ben yeah. who was killed. R.I.P. I remember that quote very vividly it's too. the only important quote that ever happened. Yeah. But it's like because he has such, he has the power to like not to like, I don't know. I don't know. He has power. To act like a spider. <laughs> what a weird superhero i mean why why would that be something we would like you know but with dave he has the power to change conversations in certain ways and um barstool i think is evolving mm -hmm. um how were your recent months at barstool good you know and and uh i did love working there i mean there was a lot of they did wonderful things for me they they backed me um, they were so supportive of me. Erica Nardini, the CEO, mm -hmm. was like a, a, an incredible supporter of me. Um, they gave me everything I could possibly have asked for. They never said no to me about an idea, about a project I wanted to work on. They they built me, you know? They turned me from a fucking middle-of-the-road Do you feel like you comic. are anything without Barstool? It's, uh, n what, now? I think yeah. now, I think now... Maybe. Like your handle doesn't have Barstool in it anymore. Yeah, but I still, I didn't lose followers when I left. Um, and I am excited to start building again on my own. So now when you create content and stuff, did they own anything? No, I'm not. So you're free? Yeah. I guess that's that the way to put it. Is that scary for you? No. Because I'm, what are I've, you been gonna doing do stand, now? I've been doing stand-up all just, like, along. Trying to come on my podcast all the time. What are you going to do now? Well, I was hoping we could play some tennis and and maybe golf. We had such a lighthearted um, beginning to this relationship. Do you feel like we've fallen off a, a cliff here? <laughs> no. Well, Francis is like, I like your golf swing. And I'm like, oh, it's so nice of him. Yeah. And then you complimented my tennis swing. And then I was mm. like, he's trying to fuck me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, I have, a, I have a lovely girlfriend whom I adore. Yes. Um, yes, I know. I, I really like playing sports with women. I love athletic women. I don't know why. It's just you something that I prefer it over playing sports with men. No, I just like I I Is like co-ed like I like co-ed sports. Like I love. <laughs> I've always like you know my mom was an athlete. Uh, she played tennis she at, at Princeton. Oh my god! She was the first coach of women's tennis at Yale. Shut up. Um, she was an all-American squash player at when Princeton. When did she stop um, coaching at Yale? 
Uh, probably in the 80s. Okay. She was doing her PhD there. Cool. And then my sister played lacrosse at Yale. Um, so we come from a family of like great Sporty equality nerds. and uh, title niners. Yes. Hell yeah. I played tennis for um, my high school team, but they it was in the Upper East Side and we only had a boys team. So title nine made it possible that I played on the team. On the boys team? Um, on the boys team. So I was part of some controversy. This some, was in high school? This was in high school. Some coaches were very upset that I was playing on the team. What, what school did you go to? Beacon. Yeah, I know Beacon. And then... We ended up winning the public school athletic league championship, but then we had a singles and they were like, well, Hannah has to play with the girls. And then I felt so much pressure to beat out all the other girls to show like that I deserve to beat. But I got in trouble because I wrote, I was what, 17 and like the New York Times, the Daily News were asking me and I was like, I want to play like a boy. And all these feminist blogs kind of came at me and they're like, what the fuck does that mean? Like you need to support like playing like a girl and that we have to change how people think girls play. And I was like, holy shit, they're so right. I don't mm. want to play like a, a guy. I want to play tennis the way it's supposed to be played, regardless of the gender. It's not a physical sport. It's a sick mental game. And I was also, I was, I was playing tennis six days a week and I was playing against high school guy players who played right. like once every other week. If I lost to them, I would have, you know, broken my racket over my knee. Uh-huh. So um, I grew up with a dad who was very supportive of women and sports and that kind of thing. But it's hard for me to date because <laughs> like sports is such a big part of my life. And I want to be with a guy who has like at least 20 handicapped better in golf, which is difficult. I'm a three. You're a three? Shut up. 2.9. That's hot. Oh. It's hot. Um, and then I want them to be able to like just hit a tennis ball. Like yeah. I don't need you to be like incredible but then i played guys who were like pretty good and then they get upset during matches i'm like we're in a date we're we're having a date right now you play sets though no i'll like be hitting and they're and like just cursing chugging the racket and i'm like dude this is so unattractive like let's yeah. just have fun right now if i peg you in the face it's funny there you go you don't have to get upset about it well, that's it. abusive but <laughs> um that's okay that's great see that was like my that, sports rant yeah everyone knows in this podcast i have to mention tennis at least once or my got, brain explodes got it got yeah. it do you what's your handicap and do you have a handicap? i'm 15 that's great on a good when i was playing pretty well but you i just had to play all the time that's the only i mean you're right yeah. i was playing i played when i was eight years old and then i quit at like 11 to choose tennis and then i played tennis and then i dated a, a guy who loved golf after college and he had me out on the links every weekend. Wow. <laughs> training. Where do you, where did you play? Like most so of So my golf? family um, has a house in Shelter Island. Oh, that's nice. So that's where I like discovered tennis and discovered golf. Cause I was like, you're from Brooklyn. What kind, why are you so good at country club yeah. sports? And I'm like, cause I hang out with my grandpa in mm-hmm. the summer. He's taught me how to be a good, I'm going to be the sickest retired person. Uh-huh. I'm be winning every league. Anyway, <laughs> this is not even my prime. 70s going to be my prime. There you go. Um, you're trying to get me off topic. You're good. I'm just having a conversation. <laughs> you're good. So I looked at your website because I'm like, who is this dude? He's throwing me all kinds of loops. Hmm. says you're a comedian, a heartthrob, and a simpleton. I don't know who wrote that. I know you wrote that. I did. Why would you say you're a heartthrob? Because most gingers... Not heartthrobs. Yeah, I know. I think I'm. So you're uh, a minority of the heartthrobs. I am. I'm. I'm. People tell me I'm attractive for a redhead, which is like <laughs> sort of like winning a gold medal at the Special Olympics. It's like, well, 
it's cool, but ultimately <laughs> not that great. I don't know. Do you have like blonde pubes or red pubes? Uh, orange, orange. <laughs> yeah. But I, I keep it, I keep it tight. You know, I don't like to let those leak, um, too much. I think life is just a lot better for everyone mm-hmm. who's involved. With Are me. your, is the rest of your family gingers too? My, not really. No. I mean, sort of like much more strawberry blonde than I am. And okay. and I used to have way more red hair. Than yeah. I your hair, now. you're very strawberry blonde. It's very blonde. Did now. your life, how did it affect your life when South Park had the whole gingers have no soul thing? Well, when I was younger, that, that came out and everyone yeah. started saying that to me and being like, ha ha, like, fuck you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't have a soul. I'll eat your newborn babies when you have one. Yeah. People would try to bully me for it. And then I was like, I would just pick them up and throw them <laughs> were you big and i was huge <laughs> i've been this i've been this size six three like 210 pounds uh-huh. since i was nine wow that's not true <laughs> but i was always bigger than everyone else so it was astonishing yeah. to me that people would people tried to bully me all and you the also time do you like get good color you're not completely pale right yeah so um at some point i learned to like own it and lean into it and that quiets everyone so did you get pussy Heavens, um, <laughs> what a what a foul way to pitch that question. Did you get pussy? I mean, you want to talk about like a? It's like you're you're talking about me like accumulating some commodity. <laughs> no, um, I'm I'm bringing power to the word yeah. pussy. Okay, so great, good. <laughs> um, I did all right. You know, I think I did okay. I, Were I, you a nerd though? Like, are you a nerd? Are you a nerd? I was smart. Yeah, but I tried. Did you hard. like? Was your smartness like put forward first, or was it kind of like, yeah, I I play sports, I'm a lacrosse guy, and I just happen to be smart, but I'm not going to brag about it. Or were you like, guys, guess who got an A in calculus again? No, I never. I didn't brag about my academics, um, but you know, I always made sure to take. Where'd you the, grow up? Connecticut, where you Maine. From? Oh, yeah, rural Maine, um, Freeport. Normally, I would come up with something that I know about the place, but I don't know shit about nobody Maine. Nobody knows I'm about such Maine. a dumb New Yorker. There, There's nobody from Maine. Maine. Very few people ever it's make cold, it It's cold, isn't it? The winters are long. It's dark. Did you want to go to New York City? I hadn't thought about it. I, I don't even know how I got here. You do here. have a small town vibe to you. Do I? Yeah. That's Like, cute. you're the kind of guy that would walk on the subway and be like, good morning, everybody. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm not here to ask for money. I'm doing fine. <laughs> But I just want to make sure you I mean, knew. after Friday, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm here. This is on you. No, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're like the first no, stop. I did. This is the first stop. On and the I redemption do, tour. I do want to say, I'm excited to be the first on the redemption tour. Um, and I do think you do. You are obviously apologetic, but you also did say, if you don't want me on your podcast, I completely understand. Yeah, I wanted to give you an out. Yeah, and that was... I was still a little drunk at the time and I'm like, what is this dude talking about? But I do appreciate that. And I think it told me a little about you to show that like you were empathetic to the entire situation. Um, How would you describe your humor overall? Well, I used to say that I I really liked (laughs) dark humor, but we may have to rebrand. Are you like, are you that dark? Uh, You, you're not, not so bad. You're not. Do you make like a lot of morbid jokes? I had a, um, I just did a special, by the way. Oh yeah, congratulations! Thank the you. first ever special on Barstool. Yeah. Are they going to keep it up? 
I don't know. Oh, these are all the things that we're going to find out in the upcoming weeks. When Stay I tuned, talk to folks. HR. Yep. Oh, fuck. Uh, I don't know um, if they'll keep it, I, but uh, it's still up. <laughs> were you proud of it? Yeah. It was good. How long was I liked it. it. How, it, how long did I do? Yeah. Like 54, 53. Do you now, because it's out, have to like start over with your jokes? Yeah. But that's the model in comedy now. Yeah. I, and I always wanted that. I wanted to dump all that and, yeah. and start over. I think there's a mix between like comics who always come up with tons of new jokes. They never really like put the work in to, to make the certain jokes really good. Mm -hmm. Then there's the ones that just repeat too much and are too scared to come up with new jokes. Do you do stand up? So I dated stand up for a while. So I like watched so many shows. I listened to so many of his podcasts. And I think I was just kind of subconsciously a sponge because I was writing comedy videos for Betches. And I always loved writing uh -huh. and I'm not afraid of the camera. But the point is, is things do happen for a reason. Yeah. Sure. Why are you so positive right now? You're pretty perky. Um, Yeah. I had that honest Especially for a tea. Monday. I had like an organic, organic peach tea, just a tad sweet. So I, I did a show at Gotham Comedy Club mm -hmm. that was like put on by um, Carl Everett. It Carl was a, and Everett? Car oh, two Everett, excuse me. Everett. He does the heel. Oh, I was supposed to go to that show, but I had something. If you to had do. gone to that show, yeah. I don't know that you would have me here now. I don't know. I have tough skin. Okay. So I went to that show and a couple comedians went up. Carl was hosting it. And Carl has never done had never done comedy. So before. Carl called me beforehand and was like, Do you have any tips? Mind you, I've done like stand up at Caroline's for my own show, but I've only done it in front of people who know me and are right. rooting for me. How many uh, stand up shows have you done? I've done my own Caroline show for 10 minutes in front of like 250 people. It's the only time I ever did stand up. Oh, okay. But I've okay. done like sh like shows where yeah, I tell yeah, yeah. stories and sure. stuff, but the only time I like wrote something Got it. was my own show. But the whole, the place was packed. I mean, there were 300 people there. Wow. All fans of Summer House, I'm assuming. And, and people, you know, that it was like a military benefit, but it was like yeah. fans of the show. Yeah. And then the cast of the show was sitting dead center all together, uh -huh. like five rows back uh -huh. together. Uh-huh. And comedians were going up and they were doing their material and some were doing better than others. And it was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And Carl goes up and he made some joke about like, uh, and, and he, he was like, he was really nice to me. Mm -hmm. This was the first time we'd met. <laughs> and Carl goes up and he's like, this next guy went to Harvard and played lacrosse. So, you know, he's a douchebag. Put your hands together for Francis Ellis. And I was like, Carl, you can't call other people douchebags when you are who you are. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm down. Let's fucking go. <laughs> and I took the microphone and I just did five minutes of destroying Carl. It's so funny. He didn't tell me this And part. the show in general. But have you watched it? I've, I've watched parts of it. Have you watched season three at all? No. It's my season. So you didn't join until season three? Yeah, I'm a new cast member. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then then, then I should check it out season again. Season three is a game changer. I watched some of season one and I went on stage and I shit on Carl. And then I was like, by the way, 
the show you guys you are on have you guys like i was i looked said to the audience i was like do you guys watch summer house and people were like yeah and i was like why it is so bad it is the worst show i have ever seen i was like have you guys renewed your contracts for another season fire your agents you are ruining your career this is not something you can come back from do your parents know you're doing this it's so bad i can't i was like i was just teeing off just roasting them and I could see their faces. Yeah. The guys were laughing. Yeah. The girls were not laughing. I would have been dying laughing. I, I know you would have. Yeah. But also because you haven't watched my season yet, so you're not like educated. And it was just a sloppy joke, which you have done in the past. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so season one and season two were good. Season three, they got some new cast members. Um, and I'm pretty proud of the last season in mm-hmm. terms of like, it is my numbing. Um, it does make you question why you're watching these things and what better things you could be doing with your life. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it's not like housewives drama where people are like sleeping with each other's husbands and like stealing their children. I don't know what they do. It's very relatable drama um, to just kids who go out to the city. Right. And it's been a cool platform for me to trick people into listening to my podcast. Well, you've you've done a brilliant job. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, no, because um, I, I have a good friend who did reality TV early mm-hmm. in his career. Cool. And then it took him 13 years to redefine himself as wow. a stand-up comedian. And now he's enormous. This is my friend uh, Theo Vaughn. Yeah. Um, but, like, he, he is so aware um, of of detaching himself mm-hmm. from his reality TV beginning, mm-hmm. and um, and I know I know that was a really difficult process yeah. for him. So um, reality TV has evolved, which I'm. It's a lucky time for me where it really was so authentically trashy back then. Where now, like Cardi B and Kim Kardashian and Bethany Frankel make like full lives of it. I was fortunate because I would never. I'm too competitive to do a show like The Bachelor or something. Like I, I don't like that shit. It makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I would rather. Um, they called me and they were like, "It's a show. We show people who have cool jobs in the city who then go out to the Hamptons." And right. I'm like, "That's fun because that's what I've been doing my whole life." I mean, Shelter Island is like the unHamptons Hamptons, uh-huh. it's like the chill Hamptons. Um, but I was like, if. I want to show that like girls can be athletic, girls can be funny, girls can be like, you know, bosses in their jobs, directors, producers. Um, I was like, I really am not, I'm very not confrontational. Mm-hmm. I'll make a joke whenever I feel uncomfortable. And I'm actually not very good at drinking, great at eating, terrible at drinking. And I'm like, if that's what you want, I will crush it for you. Yeah. If it's what, not what you want, please don't push me into something I don't want to do. Did, did they reach out to you or did you uh, audition or like send in a So tape? my name was being thrown around because I like, I'd interviewed Carl at Betches oh. and I was mean to him. Nice. I probably did something similar you did. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I tore, I tore Carl apart. <laughs> Oh my but Carl, God. like Carl, like Carl great. likes it. Yeah, he he gets just loves it. attention. Yeah, and he gets it. And he's yeah, he's a really good sport and yeah. a good guy. Um, also, I thought it'd be cool to go on TV and not like try to be perfect. Uh huh. Like some scenes, I just don't wear makeup because I think it's interesting to see a girl on TV without makeup. Right. And I think that stuff needs to be seen. It's like more girls playing sports. Like sure. just put it in people's minds and it becomes more socially acceptable. And there's less of like a high quota for women to look 
like fake and perfect all the time. So right. that's what I'm giving to society. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a gift. What a gift. How noble. Yes. I'm like, I sometimes wake up in the morning and don't wash my face. Wow. So I'm Mother Teresa. Yeah. Um, what's your deepest insecurity? Oh boy. Um, I think one thing that people pounced on while I was at Barstool was how sensitive I am. And it's not that I can't be made fun of, um, because I can be, mm -hmm. but when people make fun of me, I like to make fun back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a little harsher than when I, I come back. I'm like, okay, you threw the first punch. I'm now about to burn your entire <laughs> livelihood down. Because that's, as a comedian, what I was taught. Like yeah. uh, on stage, if yeah. somebody heckles you, yeah. I, I focus in on them and I bring down <laughs> artillery and black out the sun with my, with my skill, which is to, to make, make light of what they've done. Mm -hmm. Um so I think there are definitely You're a professional shiitake. Yeah. There are times where it's like, I could probably let a few things roll off my shoulders a little better would be, would be, uh, definitely something. Um, being sensitive, I think is a good quality. Yeah, maybe. And I'm not trying to like say, Oh, my biggest weakness is like, Oh, something you should actually celebrate. Do when you fight with your girlfriend, are you sensitive? Like if she says a little thing, do you like not just let it roll off your shoulder? Oh, I hate to be this guy. We honestly really don't fight almost ever. And um, I think the reason is, is that she's just like the most relaxed person I've ever met. Because mm. um, I had an ex I never fought with, but that was because I wanted to be like the perfect girlfriend. Because oh. like if you have self-control, like he could do something annoying and you're just like, I'm going to consciously not address yeah. this. But then like eight months in, I was like, if you fucking breathe in my direction, right. I will lose it. Right. So um, I do think it's healthy to have like banter and communication. Yeah. So you don't fight about anything. I mean, where's the passion? We've had, we've where's had, the hate sex? We don't have hate sex. Do you have makeup sex? Yeah. We've had a couple fights. That's we have healthy. a thing that that I, I've never had with anyone else where um, sometimes we'll be fighting and we'll start laughing. Oh, like we're in the middle of it. I love that. We just start laughing. We're like, we're like, what are we? Why are we? I love that so much. Yeah. That happened once when I was trying to break up with a guy and we just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I was like, I don't like you anymore. And he's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, yes, I fucking do. We started laughing. I'm like, this isn't helping. Did you stay together? No. Oh, uh, so it isn't that funny, but he just didn't get it. Or like he wasn't letting me break up with him. And finally, I was like, this is ridiculous. Right. And like, just because you break up with someone doesn't mean you don't enjoy them. Yeah, right. I just was like, I can't introduce you to my parents. You're a loser. Oh, no. You know? Yeah. You know. I do know. You know. I do know. Um, <laughs> What's your biggest fear? Um, Probably getting canceled in this day and age. You know, uh, I, I've committed so much to this life of being a comedian, yep. being a performer. And we see it every day. Yeah. And um, it sort of happened to me on Friday. But I think, fortunately, we are evolving into a time where people are not, um, they're able to differentiate between mistakes. Mm -hmm. And on Friday, I didn't, I wasn't sure. I thought that, you know, people would say like, okay, what Harvey Weinstein did, what Louis CK did, what Aziz Ansari did, what Francis Ellis did 
it's all shades of the same straight white male, you know, shit, mm-hmm. horribleness. Mm-hmm. And um, what I learned is that a lot of the internet and the outrage culture isn't as bad as I thought it was. People are giving me the benefit of the doubt. And a lot of people are like supporting me that I would not have thought would. Uh, the executive producer for Ellen DeGeneres' show tweeted his support of me. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a very prominent writer at the New York Times. She kind of came to my defense and mm-hmm. lauded my apology. Mm-hmm. And I think the overwhelming response has been like one of understanding. Not not like, let it, you know, who cares? It's more like, look, clearly you fucked up. Yeah. And you made a mistake. And you shouldn't have done what you did. But we're not going to bar you from this industry. Yeah. We're not going to chase you out of town. Yeah. And um, I think it's important for me to remain contrite. Um, I thought about whether I should like reach out to the family or mm-hmm. like try to do something, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to, I didn't want, I didn't even want to bring it to their attention. Yeah. Like it didn't even, you didn't even want it to be significant enough that it could have possibly hurt their feelings. Yeah. I didn't want to offend them. No. Um, so, and I think one, one thing Portnoy did say at the end was like, the bigger story here is like rest in peace to that girl. Right. Of course. And like, we all feel that way. Um, but you were involved in that and cancel culture is real. It is. It is. Um, so I think for me, I was, I've been very worried, you know, that as a comedian who does live on the edge, mm-hmm. that someone was going to take a, a surreptitious video clip from their cell phone mm-hmm. of me working on a new joke mm-hmm. at a comedy club that I, you know, that I was just working out posted online out of context and that that would go viral and Mm -hmm. that would be the end of my comedy career. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what I've learned is that people aren't as vindictive. People aren't like, yeah, you've got rabid Mm -hmm. people who say like, ah, Mm -hmm. men are the enemy or whatever. I I don't know. Some Mm -hmm. people are, there's, 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 I I think people that are extreme on either side are, are not helping. But I'm hopeful yeah. based on what has happened to me yeah. that um, that things are not as hyper and uh, hysterical as as I had thought they were. Have you ever been fired before from a job? Yeah. <laughs> Which jobs? I was a bartender. Why did you get fired? I, I went um, to the beach one weekend and I went body surfing and I got a concussion diving into a wave. <gasps> And I showed up to work the next day and I had no idea what was going on. And I just kept fucking up orders. Like I was, I was putting in oh orders into the computer and like the wrong lunch was coming out. And they were like, dude, you're, you're literally the worst bartender we've ever had. Like you can't work here anymore. So that I got fired for that. Um, what else? It's like this guy went to Harvard and he can't even put in a menu item. <laughs> I know. It was embarrassing. Um, I, what else did I get fired from? I've been fired a few times. Um, Does it hurt your ego? No, because all the jobs I was fired from were jobs that I knew weren't right for me. And it was sort of a process of elimination. Like the, the world was eliminating me towards what I should be doing. I like to say 
the universe, like there's a path for you and you could take any path, but the universe will keep kicking you back into the right place if you go the wrong way. Yeah. Do you think that right now this is where you're meant to be? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think I'm hoping that I can say that like the best thing that ever happened to me was that I got hired by Barstool. And yep. then the second best thing that ever happened to me was that I got fired by Barstool. That's exactly how I feel about Betches because the first, the best thing that ever happened was me getting hired from Betches. Right. And I don't think I would have had the balls or like known that I needed to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would have ever left Barstool. Um, and I, and I don't know that that, that I was like a great fit there. Um, Why? as I said, I'm a very, I'm like a very sensitive person. Mm -hmm. I think the audience was really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people, I was a polarizing person there. You like were. I had, I had a lot of really good fans, people who loved what I did. And then a lot of, like a lot of my humor played upon my, the fact that I went to Harvard and, and that I, you know, I come from a good family mm -hmm. and played lacrosse and like had a lot of things going for me. Like sometimes people would be like, fuck you you silver spoon bitch. Like, mm -hmm. why don't you just run back to daddy's money? Do you have any idea right now? Like you woke up this morning, you came to this podcast, but like, what are you going to do after this? Hannah, I'm going to start a podcast. Are you going to? Absolutely. I'm excited. Me too. Please stay tuned. Do you have any idea? I do. I think I, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start a podcast. What's cool about being an entrepreneur and like stand up is being an entrepreneur, your own brand yeah. is that you don't have to like have someone above you telling you, and it's scary sometimes, but whether it's good or bad, whether it's okay or not, you don't have someone that could just fire you at any second. But then again, they say the two um, most addicting things in the world are heroin and a monthly salary. Mm. So like you've lost that comfort, yeah, but you've also gained a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Has anyone given you advice for how to wrap up the situation? Because this is very fresh. You you gave a great apology. Mm -hmm. You know you fucked up. Right. You know that it was a bad article that you probably regret. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to do to wrap up this or just kind of see what the press is doing? Is anyone helping you in this process? Uh, yeah. You know, I've got the PR department at my agency. Okay. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, they didn't really look. I came up with that statement on my own. I, yeah. I knew what I had to. I knew what I wanted to say. Yeah, and I said it, and um, I I I felt it. I realized. I know what I how I fucked up. Mm -hmm. I know that Barstool had to fire me. I have no resentment towards them. I have only gratitude, mm -hmm. and um, I am excited now to kind of start over and build things. Okay, and um, I'm also very happy that the whole time I was there, I continued doing stand-up, you know, five to 10 sets a week. Like I've, I've always been a comedian. That was my heartbeat, my pulse. And I never thought, well, I've got this now so I can step away from the stage. And so I'm still in good shape. And I just had this special come out. I'm already writing new material. I'm excited about it. And now I have a wealth of topics that I can mine for jokes and, um, I'm excited. To wrap this up, we're going to end with the seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins. What are you greedy about? Greedy about followers. Really? I love it when I get a lot of Instagram followers. <laughs> Does it piss you off when like 
color daddy girls come and they just blow the fuck up in no, a week? I don't resent the success of other people. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, do you feel less worthy when your Instagram doesn't get a lot of likes on a photo? No, not really. I also know kind of what will do well and what won't. Do I know you, what my sweet spot is. Do you care about, you're like, I have strategy, calm down. Do you care about how many followers the girl you date has? Like, would, would you rather date a girl with a ton or none? That's a great question. Thank you. The, the right answer to this question is that it doesn't matter. I don't want the right answer. What are you bullshitting me about? I want your answer. Because it does, in this society, it does matter. It says something about you. Yeah, but here's the you. thing. Here's the thing, ready? You have a ton of followers. Yeah. But it would, if we were to date, it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect me. Yeah, I think my, it's your relationship with your followers. Like some people, their followers are like their obsession. To me, it's more, it's more like how much does it define you? Exactly. And you're That's what like, I mean. you're goofy on social media oh, and you're you. not, and I don't know, but I get the sense that you don't think you're better than people because you have so many followers. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. Right. And no. I've met people that do. And that is something that would turn yeah, me off. Yeah, I don't like the vanity of it. Like if you're like, I'm the shit because I have this many followers. But if you're like, I worked my ass off to like influence people and have really funny content and be creative. And I love that to share my voice. That's cool. Yeah. If you're going to look down on people because your ass looks good after Facetune and guys follow you, I don't have time for that shit. Right. So I was talking about your ass. Oh, thank you. I have a terrible ass. <laughs> it's just a hereditary thing. My poor family is like <laughs> so flat assed. As a guy, it's not that big of a deal. But my God, the women in my family, I, just, I feel so bad. Do you prefer ass or boobs? Probably ass. How old are you? 30. Yeah, it's generational. I feel like guys who are older like boobs because they grew up in like Pam Anderson, like like mid eighties born. They yeah. like that stuff where like you guys were more like J Lo. Huh. These are my theories. It's hard to say. The male psyche. I also think butts age better than breasts. Mm. Good point. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Not always. Who are you envious of? Oh. Um, I'm envious of comedians I see that are se seemingly able to just come up with new material and jokes very quickly. I have no idea where my next joke is coming from, my next good joke, and I can't make it happen. It's and so true. You can't force a joke. Sometimes they come in waves and sometimes I have droughts and... I have no idea how to really hone that process or how to like encourage the flow more. That's a great answer. I tweet a lot uh -huh. and people are always like, what's the deal with your tweets? I've never once sat down and been like, I have to tweet. Right. It either comes to me or it doesn't. And sometimes I do, I'll have like 15 in a row and then I won't tweet for a month. Right. Um, the best advice I've heard from comedian friends is like, just live. Like instead of just sitting home and thinking, like go out and do something great. and observe. Yeah. And the more you observe and the more you're like stories will come and just keep, this comes with depression too. Like if you're stuck in your own head, go out and live, go out and talk to people and you'll, that's all the like creativity and inspiration you need is kind of just living. Right. Um, and also when you have a goal to come up with a joke, then like your, your brain kind of manifests like to look at things in a certain way. Right. 
What are you gluttonous about? I'm going to give you a fucking boring answer. I, I have a sweet tooth. And I, especially when I smoke marijuana, <laughs> which I do almost do you, every night. You do? Does yeah. it help you write? No. I'm Some not, people are like, I'm an artist. No, I can't. I can't. I can't do anything high I, <laughs> other than just like veg out and well, eat What's your sweet of choice? Don't give me raspberries. All right. So let me tell you something. That's some boring Hannah shit. Hannah Burner. I'll tell you That's something. That's some simpleton sh- main shit. I buy fruit in ridiculous quantities. Very expensive. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that for you. Um, I mean, you know, talk to your dad. Uh, I, uh, I love that you're making these jokes now without any income. <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to be fine. No, you have, you have Instagram. You'll start doing like fit tea and stuff to make some money sponsored posts yeah i i buy all this fruit and i get rid of all the bad shit in my apartment because i know that when i'm high i have no control Mm. and i will eat like four or five containers of sliced mango (laughs) which is still so much sugar a ton of sugar but it's natural sugar so do you like care about your being fit yeah why your vein. Um, well, there's two reasons. One, one is that for me, I have to exercise because it helps me sleep. And, me too. Um, if I don't exercise during the day, I just kind of go crazy. And I feel like a dog that needs to be run. Like I'm just jittery. Yes. And I've always been that way. Even as a child, it was mm-hmm. way worse. Um, <laughs> I just imagine you just bouncing around the house. Yeah. It's like, Oh damn it. He needs to go for a jog. But then I also have, you know, I, I care about my body and how I look. It's good. Yeah. I can admit that. But I never, I never post like shirtless pictures. It just, you know, what's fascinating is because so many guy comedians don't work out. Right. It's because I think they love self-hate and like working out is self-love. And I think they just love hating themselves. Yeah, that. And also it's much more relatable to be a piece of shit. Like if you're on stage, it's funnier if your body sucks Mm -hmm. and you have jokes about that. Yes, it's true. Yeah. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath? So anger. Oh, good question. Thursday. Maybe. I don't know. Was Thursday when the article came no, out? No, it was, it was the day before. I had a... I don't know about... Oh, man, I wasn't that mad. I got in trouble on Tuesday, too, for not dressing up for this award show. That was a sponsored thing we did. The company and my boss reamed me out. What did you wear? Just a t-shirt and jeans. I wasn't really aware that we were like, I kind of missed the boat on that. Missed the email. Yeah. And, and then he also was like, you know, you're special. He said this like live in front of our audience. He was like, you're special. Only, only got 70 people to sign up for Barstool Gold. You know, you could have spent the money we spent on your special buying a suit to, uh, to wear tonight. Damn. Damn. They go hard. Oh yeah. Into your emotions he tries to like yeah that's i mean that's part of the show yeah yeah brutal when was the last time you were a sloth like a lazy person like a lazy piece of shit but cute yeah (laughs) and furry (laughs) i don't i don't know oh so you're you're always hyped up it's been years since i like coffee i only have one cup in the morning it's been years since i like was a piece of shit a long time you don't give yourself like a day off to just like cuddle with your girlfriend and watch netflix yeah occasionally yeah sure but i don't know about like i i feel like i need that every once in a while yeah because we run around so much. well the toughest thing with being entrepreneurial is 
you're the one that has to tell yourself to take a break. Uh-huh. Even though you feel the subconscious pressure that you're like, right. you're always a little behind. Right. Yeah. Just planting a seed in your head. I like it. Okay. Good. It'll grow into a beautiful flower one day. Let's hope. Um, when was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something? This is a tough one. Oh, no, that's, that's actually a very fair question. Um, you're saying, so when did I put my pride aside? Or when was, did my pride get in the way? Was that your question? Either or. Well, I think with all of this, I've had yeah. to put my pride aside. And, and, and I, I'm not able to say like, you know, something. I, I don't know. I mean, well, I, I mean, yeah, you want to be able to defend yourself in a way, but you also have to admit like that you made a mistake. Right. But it doesn't make you a bad person. Right. But you made, you're human. Right. Well, so, so I've been, I've read a couple of the tweet responses and some, someone was like, you slut, you know, when someone says you slut shamed a dead girl and I want to be like, well, first of all, I didn't yeah. slut shame her. And second of all, I thought she was alive. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear no, my side of it. You're in the so weeds. I have to just brush it off and block that person. Are you, do you look at the comments? Like, have you been reading articles and look at the comments? Um, a little bit. I, I've, I, I've stayed away from like the Barstool audience and I've just mostly seen a little bit of the response on Twitter to gauge, you know, how fucked am I? Do you think Barstool audience is primarily not on your side? No, I think, I think they are. I mean, I think people thought that I was a, a good employee there. I think people liked me there. The majority. Last one. Great. When was the last time you lusted over someone? Hmm. Uh, am I supposed to like, am I supposed to like give some politic answer about no, like my girlfriend? I like lusted no, for her. No, but you could say like, I watched this movie last night and this girl was hot or, oh, this, this guy I work with a bar stool and I would make out with because he's cute. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Yeah, I or you could be like, "Damn, when I my girlfriend when I was crying about Barstool, my girlfriend looked so hot when she was wiping away my tears." I don't know. Yeah, hmm. I I guess the the answer. Who's your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush. Uh, we'll be PC about I, Natalie Portman. I've always had a huge crush on. Oh, yeah. I like her. She's very smart and cool. She is. She went to Harvard. Interesting. Did you know that? No. She was shooting. The Star Wars movies while she was Shut at Harvard. Up. Yeah. That's she's very cool. Padme. So to wrap this whole thing up, um, this is a different podcast than I thought it would be when I originally hit you up. Mm. Um, we got pretty serious. We got pretty dark. And, you know, you got fired three, four days ago. Yeah. I would argue that you're in a tougher place than you have been in the past. What advice would you give to people? Because there's people listening that are also going through tough times. Yeah. What advice would you give to people on how to cope with their hell? Yeah. Great. Quite. That's great. Um, I think when really life-changing things happen to you, you don't need to rush to find the silver lining. You can sort of process at your own pace and it's not necessarily like wallowing. Um, it took me two or three days to like figure out how to remain, how to get back to being in the moment and being present and understanding where I was getting out of your own head. Yeah. And, um, the most important thing you can do is, um, rely on your friends. 
and the people, your family and the people you love and, and trust that, you know, they're not going to abandon you, um, in, in these bad moments and that, um, you can still forge ahead. <laughs> this all sounds like very no, general. I'm, I'm liking what you're saying though. Yeah. Um, but you know, I thought my world was over and then, and then I, and then it wasn't, you know, and it's not. Um, and, uh, and now I went from being destroyed to excited in three days and it, and it took me three days to get there. And some people will take a lot longer, right? But, uh, it, it, there's usually a chance to find a way to get, get back to And it. also you get a little, people are scared of like, God forbid this happens. God forbid that happens. Right. God forbid they do happen. Trust that it's going to be okay. Right. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Hannah, this was my, this was so fun. This was so fun. Really good. Yeah. Francis, I'm excited to see what you do in the future. I'm excited to see how you learned from your past mm-hmm. and, um, looking out for a new podcast, probably in the future. Yeah. Where can people follow you? People can follow me on Twitter at Francis C Ellis, Instagram at Francis C C Ellis, which was just a typo that we're not going to be able to fix and is absolutely on Instagram fucking nightmare for me on Instagram. Yeah. Damn. Um, <laughs> cause I switched it from Francis Barstow on Friday Yeah, and I'm verified. So they had to like reach out to Instagram oh. to help me do it. And they submitted the wrong name, but that's okay. Do you think they did it on purpose? No. no I'm just kidding. <laughs> and what I may have to do is I may have to switch my Twitter to Francis CC Ellis, but I just don't, I don't even like who, what the fuck. Why are there two C's? My middle name is Corson. I don't know why. My OCD is like freaking out right yeah. now and I'm not even, I don't even have OCD. Right. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. And if you guys are enjoying burning in hell, I have a Facebook group, the little devils. And you know, if you're enjoying this episode, screenshot, tell me what you think, put on Insta and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.